Welcome to the C3 Silicon Valley Church Podcast. Senior pastors Adam and Kira Smalcom are so excited to share this message with you and believe that God will speak to you through it. Here at C3SV, we know that God has the best in store for you today and every day. I am, I am particularly excited about this morning because we have an opportunity not just to hear from one preacher or one good sermon. We've got five preachers this morning. Or should I say four preachers and one teacher for John. He's like, I'm not a preacher. I, I, I teach more. I'm like, okay, you, you can, whatever you call yourself, you're just going to you know, speak in the word this morning. So, so here's the thing. What I, what I want for us to do this morning when they when each one of them preach. And, and just because we've got five preachers doesn't mean we're going for two and a half hours. We're going to have five preachers with five minutes each. Yeah. Is anybody excited about this? Because I know, I know out in the wings, Jen's like really pumped. But we've got five preachers this morning, five, five men and women of God who are, who are on the leadership and the ministry stream here at church and one of our staff members who's going to be preaching. And, and each one of these, these guys and girls are just highly anointed and just got an incredible message that they're going to bring this morning. But we're going to do five preachers, five minutes each, all preaching from Romans 5, verses 1 to 5. We're just cool like that. That's what we do. We're, just, we're cool like that. And I thought maybe we could just put that up on the screen before we get the, the, the five preachers because they're all going to do a verse each. And can we just put up Romans uh, chapter 5, verse 1 to 5 real quick? Let me know when it's up there. Uh, Romans chapter 5, there it is. It says this. Well, let's read it together. It says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Sorry, it ran out on that screen. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. How many people know we can joyfully look forward to God's glory? Verse 3, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop our endurance. Verse 4. And we, endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Verse 5, and this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know, did you all die off or is it just me? I can't hear you. Because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. Anybody excited to hear this message preached this morning? I'm, I'm a little bit pumped. So I'm excited and I want you to be I want you to be that church that encourages each one of them, all right? You are, you are not a board of examiners examining them this morning. You are receiving from the word of God and you are giving back and you are talking, you are encouraging, you will be amening. You can if you feel like it, you can high five the person next to you when they make a good point. And it'll be like you're high-fiving them this morning. But I, I, I am really excited. Each one of these guys are incredible. I want to have the privilege to invite up our first preacher this morning, first teacher slash preacher, John Giles. Can we give him a hand as he comes? All right. Well, you can all be seated. Hey, don't we have an amazing church with amazing pastors? Can we give it up for Pastor Adam and Kira? Pastor Kira came even after taking a massive spill. It's so awesome that she's still here with us. So I have the awesome privilege to start us off on this uh, Romans 5, 1 through 5, 
five by five. And before I get started, I just want to, I do want to confirm if you're wondering, these are Google glasses. And I wanted to get a shot of all of you before I preach. So you guys can all just smile right now. There we go. I can also wink at you, but I will save that. I won't do that. All right, so why don't we get started? Let's go ahead and kick it off. All right, so Romans 5.1. So therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Now, for those of you who like to study the Word or even study any kind of literature in general, the first thing we notice when we look at this verse is the word therefore. And whenever we see the word therefore, we always want to ask ourselves, why is it therefore? And for me, it's, it's like looking at the back of a newspaper or the, the last chapter of a book without reading the first part. Because if you, if you get to that point, you, so Paul says, okay, therefore, what, what's the therefore there? Why, why, is he, why is he saying therefore? So if we look back, what he's talking about is the whole first four chapters of Romans is on what he puts in this second part of the verse where he says, since we have been justified by faith. That's what the whole first four chapters of Romans are about. And it is some good stuff. Paul can preach on grace and how we're justified by faith better than anyone I've ever read or seen or heard. He is, he is the expert on it. And justified by faith is such an amazing topic. But he says we have peace with God. So the question is, what does that mean to have peace with God? And there's a couple of verses I want us to take a look at. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 15 should be up in just a second. There it is. Okay. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. So we see that Paul, Paul's talking about how Jesus brought peace to us. And the question I ask myself is, why don't I always have peace? And what I've, I've drawn here, I hope this chart is visible. It's a little bit hard to read. But what we see on the left-hand side, the y-axis, is our peace level. We see that at birth, that's the zero line. At birth, we have a pretty fairly decent peace level. We don't have a lot of needs, a lot of concerns, a lot of worries. So we're pretty good on peace. But as sin, it, we are born into sin. So we live with sin. Our peace level starts to decrease over time. Right? So that's the declining line. But then there's this point of justification, and that is the point of salvation. So justification, I always like to think of it as it's just as if I'd never sinned. That's the point at which God has completely wiped my sin away. Now, my slides are getting ahead of me, <clears throat> but the, the point was that over time, we hit justification, our peace level goes up, but then over time, it starts to fluctuate. I ask myself, when, when do I feel the most amount of peace? And it's typically when I'm snorkeling. Now, some of you might look like this when you're snorkeling because you have fear. You might have fear of not being in control. You might have fear you might not be able to swim. It, it can be stressful for someone who doesn't know how to snorkel. But if you know how to snorkel, if you've learned how to snorkel, it can be one of the most peaceful experiences that you'll ever experience. For me, I get to see things that God has created that I may have just zipped by on a boat or you know, and just uh, just not even realize that, that it's down under the sea. But this is what snorkeling looks like. This is what snorkeling looks like when you just take, a, you just take nice, easy breaths, and there's this peace that comes. And here's a stingray. You just have this, it's this peaceful <laughs> swimming through the ocean. This is the kind of peace that God wants us to have, but it, it takes, it, we have to kind of let go of control. You know, um, there was the, the song that came out, uh, Jesus Take the Wheel by Carrie Underwood. And so many of us are like, no, Jesus, give it back. 
And that's why we don't have peace in our lives. And I think that if we get to the place where we let go and we let God have the wheel, then we can start to experience that peace of just floating in the water and experiencing what God's created. And finally, my last, uh, this is basically my life verse, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Everyone from C3SV North Shore knows this is one of my favorites. But Paul says, the same writer says, Paul, Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Paul is giving his, here the secret to peace. And the secret to peace is that we need to pray about everything. We don't just pray when we're in trouble. We don't just pray when we're sick. We don't just pray when we're hurt. We pray about everything. We bring every request to him. He is faithful to answer those prayers, but he wants to hear it from us. We want to thank him for everything. There's so many blessings in 2013. Look back on your life. Think of all the great things that he's done in your life just in this last year and how he wants to do even more in 2014. And finally, I'll wrap up just by rereading Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Please welcome with me Tamika Ellsworth. Hello, hello. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Let's do verse 2. And that should be up on the screen. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. I'm so excited. And the reason why I'm so excited is that this particular verse um, that was actually up, it means a lot to me um, because of God's grace and the undeserved privilege part. Yeah, that's huge, especially for me. And some of you guys can probably attain to that and also attest to it. It's, it's amazing how a God that even while we were yet sinners and still in sin, that he still says, you know what? You still deserve more. You deserve better. That's how awesome God is. Let's look real quickly. Um, well, it's not up there. Maybe just keep it up there for a second. Um, for undeserved. Let's just break that part. I only got five minutes. So undeserved, unwarranted, merited, or earned. Okay? Privilege, a special right, advantage, or immunity granted or available only to a particular person or group of people. What? How awesome is that? How awesome is that that... Here it is that we, even though we didn't deserve it, it's something that he's saying you didn't earn it. There's nothing that you can do to work it. There's nothing that you can do to manipulate it. But it's undeserved access to God. Some translations actually say instead of undeserved privilege, it says grace. I love grace too. A lot of times I know it as unmerited favor, right? So here it is, you know, in, 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 in a... A sinner's standpoint, you mean to tell me, God, that once I get justified, once I can accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, you mean the next, that very second, everything that I've done has been covered? You mean to tell me what I deserved back then I don't get to participate in because you gave me undeserved privilege? The reason why it's so important to me, and again, I only have five minutes, but there's just so much in my life that I could tell you about. But most importantly, I didn't grow up as a Christian. I didn't. Matter of fact, I was in a cult, believe it or not. And actually, you know, top, you know, true crime's top 10 list of notorious, uh, you know, cults and people. Yeah, I was a part of that from 12 to about mid, mid teens. 
soon after became an atheist, didn't want anything to do with Christians, Christianity, Jesus, anything. And matter of fact, even after that, living an alternative lifestyle, drugs, promiscuity, you name it, I did it. But guess what? Even during that time, God said, you know what? That person right there, and this is for somebody. <laughs> I'm telling you, even if you've grown up in church, even if you haven't grown up in church, this access that God has for you, it's for you too. It is. And the crazy thing about it is that even though we don't deserve it, he still deserves our praise and adoration. You know what I'm saying? Like, Lord, thank you. I'm so privileged that I don't deserve what you've given me. I should, have, I should be dead in my sin and the stuff that I've done. But God, because I don't deserve it, you know what you deserve from me? You deserve my praise. You deserve my love. You deserve my adoration because I know that without you, I, sitting here today, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. And again, we only have five minutes to talk about it, but good God, I wouldn't be here. But how amazing it is that the same, I was that Christian. I, was not, I wasn't even that Christian. I was that person, that sinner, you know, downtown San Jose. People would come and they, they, they'd prayer walk and, you know, when people got out of the clubs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was that one where I'd sit there smoking my cigarette. People try to talk to me about Jesus and i curse them out. Yeah, that was me. And how amazing it is that being that person, that I can stand here today. I can stand here today and tell you about the goodness of God, the glorious nature of God, and how he's changed a person's life from one thing to another that you would never know. You would never know what it was before. Never. Unless you knew me. But lastly, in closing... The, the, the last thing in closing, how can we joyfully and confidently look forward to seeing God's glory? How can I joyfully and confidently give you this and say this, right? Well, number one, it's in the Bible. Number one, uh, and lastly, you know, Ephesians 3.12, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Plain and simple. It's for you. It's for me. It's all access to God. Amen. Let's let Paul come up. All right, we're going to keep rolling along. Romans 5.3. Okay, here we go. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. So I'm going to be talking about endurance a little bit here. Um, I love how the Apostle Paul just, like, he's like, come on, bring on a problem. Bring on a shipwreck. Come on, I'll take it on. I'm going to get something out of it. He knows he's going to get more out of it. Um, I... It's perspective, man. Where his head's at is totally different from where most of us are sometimes. Um, I think the whole thing is because of the cross, trials and problems and difficulties, um, they're not just a negative thing. They they can actually have a positive effect on our life. I know it sounds crazy, right? Because it's like, what? A problem is a good thing? Like, that just sounds messed up. But you know what? It's perspective, right? Problem. It equals an opportunity to um, become more like Jesus. Um, you know, you're going to build endurance. You're going to build character when you're going through stuff. If, you're just, if your life's just like easy sailing, nothing's going on, you're probably not going to be building a lot of characters. Probably not going to be lots of deep stuff going on in, in your life, right? So you gotta, you got to welcome that stuff. It's not fun. I hate it. I hate it when it's happening to me. But the end result is, you know, God's doing stuff. So let's keep going on this. So it says... For we know, in this verse, it says, for we know that they help us develop endurance. Um, 
So even though we're in this situation where it's like things aren't working out, we, we know, right? We have this perspective. We know that there's a purpose in the problem. Um, so yeah, proper perspective in pressure produces perseverance. So that's, yeah. So I have an illustration. So me and my son, we, we used to live up in Canada. So we cl- climbed Mount Yamnushka. So it's this big mountain, uh, you know, west of Calgary. So we're like, okay, let's do it. You know, let's do a guy's trip, just me and him. The girls couldn't handle it, so we left them at home. Like, hey, let's do this. this people have died on it, apparently, on this mountain. So we're like, all right, let's do it. We can, we can do it. So we go out, get out of the car, you know, get our layers and our snacks, and then we're, like, we're walking. It's a, it's a nice, calm walk through a, you know, grassy meadow. And then it's like, okay, that's nice. You get into it. It's like, oh, yeah, it's pretty flat. Then, then it gets steeper. It gets darker. You're going into the trees. Like, oh, it's like the, the trail and the path is sort of getting a little rough. It's getting a little tough. And then, you, and then your legs start burning. And then, you're, you know, he's whining. I'm whining. <laughs> We're like, ah. So, you know, get in it. Like, oh, man, why are we doing this? What's the point? Because you're, you're in it. You just, you don't see. You're surrounded by trees. It's sort of dark. It's sort of cold. And then you come up. You go up. And then, boof, you get out of the trees. And you can see, you see perspective, right? You see what it's all, all this hard work is producing. So I think those moments in our life where we get, you know, clear the trees and you can see, hey, there's, there's something good coming out of this. So, yeah. So endurance, endurance in the dictionary is defined as the factor power of enduring an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving way. Um, so I think, man, how do you, how do you develop endurance? I think the key is just you got to endure it, right? You think people who do endurance training, they just they go further. You got to endure it. You got to you got to stick it out. You just don't give up. Um, so another brief illustration on this is so I used to do a boot camp thing where we'd go down to this parkade at our last work and uh, we'd get all this crazy stuff, sledgehammers and tires, and we'd just okay, we'd we'd go for it, right? In the dust, and um, so we'd do these circuits. So we'd go and what you'd have to, I hated it the most you'd have to hold a static squat now I hate squats or any leg exercises in general other than riding a bike so we'd be doing these static squat holds and it would burn it would start to burn so bad I was like why am I doing this um so I think like with that you're standing there squatting burning everyone else you look like an idiot right and it's just like okay it's all about the will to endure. So sometimes you go in on a Monday, like, man, I don't feel like working out today. That's the day you probably need to work out the most, right? So I'm down there, you're, it's on a Monday, and it's like, the biggest thing is, do I want to actually hold this? Do I have the will to endure? And that, like, my attitude and where my head was at would decide more about if I would stick it out or not. Um, and then after, after you resolve to hold it out, that's when you, you can break through, right? Um, and the other key is sometimes you're working out and you got this guy beside you and he's a slacker, right? And it, it's dragging you down. It's like, man, he already broke his hold. He's cheating. But so the key here is surround your, yourself with people who have the will to endure, who are fighting it out, you know, who are going for it. Perspective, the will to endure. Surround your, your, yourself with people who persevere and have higher endurance than yourself. And uh, man, you'll do awesome. All right, we got DeAndre rocking it. Thank you, Paul. Come on, give it up for Paul. Give it up for the rest of the speakers. All right, I'm going to kick it off uh, and continue with uh, verse 4. 
Uh, and endurance develops strength of character. And character strength strengthens our confidence, our confident hope of salvation. Uh, many times we get caught around the idea that when we're going through a struggle or we're going through uh, something in life, uh, that it feels like uh, maybe God is not there for us or we don't feel the presence of God. And uh, Secular society would say, uh, if, how can you feel loved if you're seemingly being punished or all hell's breaking loose all around you? Uh, but contrary to popular opinion, my Bible says that he's working all things together for my good. I wish I had a church in here say something. He's working all things together uh, for my good. And this gives me hope because I know that the storm is going to work out in my favor simply because I'm his child and he is my, he's my God. And the Bible also said that if God is for us, we know this, who, let's say that again, if God is for us, then who can be against us? And it's been said, and we know this to be true uh, in, in the worldly sense, that it's not uh, what you know, but it's who you know. And we can all have a testimony and say that that's true on an earthly sense. But uh, us as believers, we're on a whole nother level. We're, we're on an H&L. We're on a, we're on a different level there. We're, we're in the spirit and the supernatural. So uh, it becomes not just who you know, but it becomes what you know about who you know. Does that make sense? It becomes what you know about him that is to be true. Uh, and, even, and those of us who have been through storms and felt the pressure, the trials, uh, find ourselves in low places, valley of shadows, uh, no substance but just shadows, gl- mere glimpses of things that you can, you can see, kind of like in a business sense, the glass ceiling. You can see what your next level is, but you just can't reach it. You're scratching and surviving, and you just can't reach it yet, but... When we stumble, we find ourselves uh, rolling through the scriptures. And like me, I find myself in those times stumbling through Isaiah. Isaiah 40 is one of my scriptures. Isaiah 40, 29. And when I'm at my lowest point, I find these words that Isaiah is speaking as the mouthpiece of God. He says, he gives power to the weak. And those who have no might, he strengthens. And then I stumble a couple of books forward into Joel. And I hear the words of God speaking to his people to encourage them. He said, let the weak say, I am strong. And that gives me hope. And my hope stands up inside me. And my faith causes me to begin to believe that there's a God who sits on high and looks low. And it's good that God is high. And sometimes we don't like the idea that God is maybe that far out. But he's a big God and he's that high up. But he still sits and looks low and keeps his hand on us through it all. This is my God. This is my God. And so it becomes information that bec- it's information that becomes the difference between hope deferred and a dream realized. Let me quickly talk about character. I've got a minute and a half left, so, I'm a- so listen fast because I'm going to preach quick. This is character, and by definition, character is the mental and moral qualities that are distinctive to us as individuals. In simple terms, it's our nature. Uh, we go through these trials because God is shaping us in the storm. He's shaping our character uh, in the storm. Uh, really quickly, my favorite subject in school was geology. Let's take a quartz rock. We all, we all see the rock. It's really ugly on the outside, but uh, you cut it in half, and then you see the quartz minerals and the bling bling that's on the inside. This is the earthen treasure that he talks about uh, in the Bible that we have. We have treasures on the inside of us that God is continually trying to work out of us. So the study of geology is, in simple terms, is time and pressure. And so we need a little time 
God puts us in a little, through a little time and pressure to work what's on the inside on the outside. I can't hear nobody in this church. And we have this confidence because we know that in James, it says this, James 1 and 2, it says, Count it all joy, my brethren, for, we, for when we go through various trials, it's the testing of your faith that produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and lacking in nothing. It's confidence. Somebody shout confidence. This is my confident hope. I'll just say this. I'll sum it up. I had a nice little thing there, but look at <laughs> A builder won't let you drive on his bridge until it's been tested. You wouldn't want to drive on the bridge unless it's been tested. Uh, so basically, we, uh, there's integrity of the structure. Once the integrity of the structure has been tested, then he will let you drive on it. God says in Malachi 3, he says, try me in this and see if I won't bless you. We have a God that can be tested, that he can be trusted, because if you don't test him, he can't be trusted. That's just one free one free right there. And in closing, I'm going to wrap this up. The underlying thing is this. My, my hope is built on nothing less. In 1834, Pastor Edward Mote in an English church wrote these words down. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. He went on to say, on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. I want to tell you right now on my clothes that it doesn't matter what you're going through. I want you to look around. You need to look around and see what other people are overcoming right now. Before this day's over, you're going to see people healed from what they were prayed for. You're going to see some testimonies. Amen. I can't hear you, church. If you're discouraged, look around you and see somebody with a testimony. Come on. I wish the redeemed would say so in here right now. Come on. Let's give a praise to God. My time is done. Would you welcome with me Amber Rose? Thank you. Thank you, DeAndre. Oh, man. That guy can preach. It's a little intimidating being up here after all four of those legends. You guys are incredible. But I just have a couple minutes. I'm going to dive right into verse 5 of this passage. And I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation, which says, And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Amen? Amen. Amen. So how many of you have ever heard someone say the phrase, don't get your hopes up? Right? I'm sure we're all guilty of saying that a time or two. Um, Maybe you've heard someone talking about a job they're really hoping to get, and someone says, well, don't get your hopes up. Or maybe it's a school they're hoping to get into. Or for me, it's that NBA basketball player I'm hoping to marry someday. I can just hear my brother saying, Amber, don't get your hopes up. But he's probably justified in saying that. Um, As I read this passage, it got me thinking on um, why we say that phrase, you know, don't get your hopes up. And I think we can all agree that a hope disappointed or a dream unrealized is pretty devastating, right? Um, Actually, Solomon writes in the book of Proverbs, and he says, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. And it's true, right? It's a lot of times safer to just never hope at all or hope for anything or hope in someone because you're less likely to get hurt, right, than to hope and be disappointed, um, as, I, as I thought about that saying, don't get your hopes up, I realized that that's actually the opposite of what this scripture is telling us. Amen? It says here, um, 
in verse 5. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. And like DeAndre was talking about, that hope that it's referring to is a hope in salvation, which is actually Jesus, right? He is our salvation. And so what Paul is saying here is that we never, ever have to be afraid that Jesus will let us down. You know, out of anyone in the whole entire world, he is always going to fulfill his promises to you. He always exceeds every expectation that you have for him, and he will never, ever, ever disappoint. And that can just preach itself, but I'm going to just keep going. Um, So how do we know that this hope will never disappoint? And Paul continues and tells us that it's because of God's love for us. He says, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us. And in the New King James Version, it reads, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. I love this version because it says that God's love is poured out for us. And it's not just an example of like pouring, you know. It's um, that Greek word there for pour, it actually means um, to bestow or to distribute largely. It's like a picture of um, like a cup or something where you're pouring water into it and it's filling all the way up and spilling over the edges. That's the picture that I want you to think of when you think of God pouring his love into you. That's how crazy he is about about you. His love is meant to fill your heart. It's extravagant. It's all-consuming and it covers it covers everything. Um, and, and the best part about this is that God gives us the Holy Spirit. He's the one who proves that to us. He's um, the guarantee, if you will. And um, he's the one who's meant to show us how much God loves us. We never, ever have to question God's love for us because we have access to the Holy Spirit. And um, I'm going to just ask Naomi to come up and play the spiritual keys for me. Um, And I'm just going to land this plane right here. But my favorite verse in the whole entire Bible is probably the most famous verse in the Bible, which is John 3.16. And you guys know it, I'm sure. For God so loved the world that he gave his only... Oh, you guys are smart. (laughs) I love it. Um, My favorite part of this passage is it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So he didn't just love the world. He so loved the world that he gave. And um, when I was comparing these two passages, Romans 5 and this one, um, what I realized is that Jesus was the one who restored love on the cross, right? But it's the Holy Spirit who reminds us of that love. I'm just going to say that one more time. I don't know if you caught it, church. But, um, you know, 2,000 years ago when Jesus, the perfect, sinless Son of God, died on the cross for us, that was him restoring love once and for all. And the Holy Spirit, who's living and active and given to us by God the Father, he's the one who reminds us of true love. And I think the natural response to love is to give. And um, that's what's the common factor in both these scriptures, right? God so loved the world that he gave his son, and he so loved you, and to prove it, he gave you the Holy Spirit. And um, I just think if we think about how incredibly head over heels God is in love with each one of us, it's pretty amazing, right? Thank you for listening to today's message. We trust you heard from God and that you're more encouraged, more refreshed, and more in love with Jesus than you were before. If you ever find yourself in the Bay Area, we'd love for you to come and attend a service. For more information about C3SV, please visit www.c3sv.com.